do you think ACEs is maybe the issue behind the issue of domestic violence for offenders? Oh, sure. What are your thoughts around that? Going back to the ACE study in the 1990s, they identified 10 potential childhood traumas. And their list was not all-inclusive. Like, there's a lot of childhood traumas that they didn't even put on the list. But it was there were 10 childhood traumas. It included child abuse and neglect, child sexual abuse, neglect where you didn't have all your needs met, like food, um, shelter, clothing. It included being exposed to domestic violence in your home. It included being exposed to a parent who had a substance abuse problem. So there were 10 in all. What it did not include was if you grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of crime. And so if you think about neighborhoods where there's a lot of gang violence, there are kids that get shot at on the way to school where they have drive-by shootings at houses. That wasn't even on the study. Then you have traumas like like the hurricane coming and destroying the home, like weather and things like that. Childhood soldiers would be another trauma in other countries. But going back to domestic violence, um, absolutely, if they saw it in their home, if they saw that this is how you treat people, this is what relationships are about, then absolutely. Then, And this doesn't happen with every child that's group that grows up in domestic violence. But I know that the research supports that if the higher the ACE number, the highest score you can get is 10. When you go from a 3 to a 4, meaning that you've experience four different adverse childhood experiences you go from your chances of becoming an intravenous drug user increases by 1500 percent and so i have not seen the statistic for domestic violence but i would i would guess the higher your number of aces the more likely you are to become an abuser one because that's the environment that you've been around um and then two what we see what they like power and control and safety. And so one of the reasons why people love control is because it makes them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at children who have been overexposed to trauma, that one kid who was exposed to one trauma one time in their life is going to look different than that kid that has had multiple traumas that have been exposed from birth until teenage years where they are chronically exposed to trauma all the time that kid is going to have complex trauma that kid is going to feel very unsafe and one of the ways that you can feel safe is to control your environment and one of the issues in domestic violence is control where they want to control everything and everybody and it goes back to feeling unsafe like you just mentioned it's not the case for every abuser we know that alcohol and drug dependency Um, can create toxicity in relationships. We know that um, untreated mental health conditions can be a factor. Uh, Changes in your everyday living, like coronavirus and people losing jobs or significant loss of hours, that's a trauma. If you're not aware of supportive resources to help you, you don't have support from your loved ones. Maybe they're blaming you, even though it's not your fault. All those things can really start piling up on you. And a lot of times people just spill out. If we all looked at a list of warning signs and forms of domestic violence, I could almost guarantee that we can find ourselves on that power and control wheel somewhere at some time. But the thing that differentiates an act of losing self-control and power and control is that cycle. And that pattern, it may not look the same every time. It may be emotional abuse this time, 
It might be physical abuse or financial abuse or that power and control factor that you were just referring to. It's that constant control, manipulation, getting in your head and trying to make you believe things that are not true about yourself, making you feel small. Going back to me learning how child child trauma affects brain development. Physiologically, you have two parts in in your brain that um, are really crucial when it comes to trauma and survival. And so you've got your your thinking brain, which is kind of up here in your forehead, that's where you're thinking logically and critically. That's when you, that's where you learn to problem solve. But that part of your brain turns off when you're in survival mode. You have a survivor part of your brain that anytime you feel threatened, survivor brain turns on. That's what we call the lizard brain. It's a primitive part of your brain that, that activates survivor mode. Survivor mode is you're going to run from the threat, you're going to fight the threat, or you're going to freeze. So think about a bear. A bear is a threat. When you see the bear and he's close by, you're either going to run from him, you're going to fight him, or you're going to freeze to survive. So when that part of your brain comes on, your thinking, logical, problem-solving part of your brain turns off. Mm -hmm. So when you have a child who has been exposed over and over and over, who grew up, in a home of domestic violence, who live in an environment where there's a lot of gun and gang violence, who is being sexually abused and physically abused, their survivor brain, which is way down, my fist is my brain up here is my forehead, down in here is where the survivor brain is. So this is the front of my face and my forehead. So when this part of your brain, your survivor brain turns on, and it's on a lot, that means that you're thinking learning, problem-solving part of your brain is turned off. And so if it's turned off a lot because you're exposed to trauma a lot, you're not learning critical thinking. You're not learning how to problem-solve. In fact, you're becoming impulsive. You can't think through situations. You You can't think through the rewards and consequences. You're not able to problem-solve and say, what's a really good way to address this problem, um, you're, you don't develop coping skills because you're always in fight, flight, or freeze. And the three responses of fight, flight, or freeze are fight, freeze, or run. Those are not good coping skills for every situation. They're good when you need to survive. And so their brain is wired for that survival part of their brain and not for their critical thinking brain. So when they become an adult and coronavirus hits and you lose your job and you have all of these things happening, you go back into survival mode and you, you're you not using good critical thinking skills because that part of your brain is turned off. And if you were a kid that was overexposed to this, you don't have a lot of those skills anyway. That's why you see people bouncing from job to job, losing a lot of the things that they have. They can't keep a job. They lose a job. They can't maintain relationships because they don't know how to work through relationships. Um, and it's it's just this vicious cycle that they get themselves in, whether they are the abuser or whether they're the ones being abused. Um, they just find themselves making a series of life choices, constantly kind of keeping up in this survivor mode and they never get past the survivor part to where they can thrive and that's why for me it's so critical 
to find the thrivers who have made it past the surviving part, who have been able to develop those critical thinking skills and those coping skills and break that cycle and tell their survivor brain to turn off and turn this part of your brain on so you can begin to learn how to thrive. That's the part that we've got to get to.